Hey, listening family, we have some exciting news. And we do have something exciting going on. We are going through a name change for our radio broadcast, and we're going to shift the name from Living Truth Radio to Walk in Truth. And Walk in Truth is a name that I think helps capture the heartbeat of this ministry, help people to walk out the truth, to live out the truth, to walk by faith and not by sight. So we're going to stay the same. We're going to change from Living Truth Radio to Walk in Truth. Today, Pastor Michael is in the book of Mark, chapter 2, verse 13, with a message entitled, Who Needs a Doctor? Okay, would you take your Bible, open it to Mark, chapter 2. Mark, chapter 2. So we continue our verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of Mark. Have you ever read through the Gospels and you're, you're reading through a Gospel and you feel like, you know, you know the Lord pretty well, and you come to a, a section of the Gospel and you're like, Wow, I didn't know that about the Lord. It could be a a radical truth of something that he said that maybe would be hard-hitting, and you're like, wow. It could be a tender moment where he did something that may blow your mind, unexpected grace. But that's, that's the beauty of going through the Gospels. You get to see these wonderful miracles and never forget that when you are watching Jesus in action in the Gospels, you are watching God in action. Jesus said in John 14, 9, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In John 1, 18, Jesus said he had come to explain the Father to us. So when you are watching Jesus interact with people in the Gospels, remember you are watching God in action. Now, so far in the Gospel of Mark, we've looked at Jesus coming out of the gate, Mark 1, 15, and he begins to preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. And then he calls two sets of brothers, fishermen, and he says, I'm going to make you, remember, fishers of men. And then Jesus begins to show them how to fish. And one of the things that happens early in the Gospel of Mark is a leper comes to him and he breaks all the social rules and he comes into a place where there's a huge crowd and he gets down on his knees and he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can, remember, make me clean. And Jesus says, I am willing, be cleansed. And we have this incredible healing of the leper. But I told you that Jesus's miracles were also, do you remember? Parables. They authentically occurred. They met an immediate physical need, but they also had a spiritual picture, a deeper point. The second miracle healing that we see in the Gospel of Mark is the paralytic. And he's been uh, crippled. He's on a stretcher. Four friends find a way. The the front door is crowded. They they go up on the roof. And remember, we saw the picture of them cutting that hole in the roof. and And faith found a way. And they lowered that friend to Jesus. And Jesus said, take courage, my son. Do you remember? Your sins are forgiven. And then the, the, we know the religious leaders were kind of grumbling, who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus said, which is easier to say? Son, your sins are forgiven or rise up, take your pallet and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, I say to you, rise up and walk. And the crippled man rose up and walked, a picture of uh, rising up to newness of life. The leper, a picture of being cleansed by sin. The uh, paralytic, a picture of rising to new life in Jesus Christ. And he took up his pallet and he went home. Remember we were suggesting that he probably went down the road. Yeah, dancing, right? Dancing into the sunset. Beautiful healings that have occurred. And now we're going to see another healing. 
but the, the need is not as obvious. It was obvious what the leper's need was. It was obvious what the paralytic's need was. But the man that will be healed next is not a leper. His name is Levi. In his own gospel, he calls his name Matthew. And he's going to experience a healing on the inside. He is a tax gatherer. And Matthew had set up shop by the sea. I've been showing you a few pictures of the uh, Sea of Galilee. So I'm going to show you one here. And, you know, sometimes when we think of the Sea of Galilee, we can think of a placid sheet of water that, you know, is a nice place to take a boat ride or have a swim. But in the Jewish mind, the sea represented also darkness and evil. It represented that which was unpredictable in life. Think of storms that come and and dark times. And in fact, there's going to be a scene later in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus actually calms the water, and there's there's even a spiritual picture there. Well, Matthew had set up a tax gatherer's booth by this location by the sea. And we are introduced to this story in Mark 2, verse 13, and we'll go up to verse 22 for this morning. Mark 2, 13. I just want to set this up by saying one more thing. I think Matthew or Levi was crying out inside, Lord, I need you. And I've been walking with the Lord for about 30 years now, and I can tell you this, the Lord continues to teach me to pray that way. As a man, sometimes it's hard for us to admit that we need the Lord. It's hard to start a day maybe honestly saying, Lord, I need you. But I'm learning more and more about my own humanity how my own flesh can be so weak that I need to pray every day. However you pray that, Lord, I need you. I need a doctor. So that's why I entitled this message, Who Needs a Doctor? Now, maybe you've said those words before. If you have, you're a man. Because men always say, or at least a lot of men do, who needs a doctor? And a lot of men, does this resonate with any of you ladies? Do you want to point at anybody right now? So, so we'll say, I don't, I don't need a doctor. I don't, I don't need to go see that. They're all a bunch of quacks, right? Have you heard, you know, you heard the story of a lady? I think she was up in the Pacific Northwest. She was in Oregon. And uh, she was going to the psychologist. And he had convinced her, you know, she, have, she was having problems, that she had 13 different personalities, one of which he said was a duck. What a quack, right? I mean... That was, that was a joke. And so, but, you know, guys, we are, we are notorious for not going to the doctor until something's dangling. Like, I don't, I don't need to go. And finally, we go into the doctor, and the doctor will say, hey, it's a, it's a good thing that you got here. And you're just like, just tape it up. I'll be fine. And then you'll complain to your wife, and you'll say, honey, you know, this is hurting, or that is hurting. And my wife will say, then you're not going to play golf tomorrow, right? And I'll be like, yeah, I, I'm fine. I can play golf tomorrow. It's It's good right? Well, one of the things in the Gospels that we have to realize is that we have to see our need for Jesus. It can be tough. And sometimes when you first hear the message of the Bible, you're confronted with your need, and it can be even uncomfortable. I think Matthew knew his need. I think he was crying out inside. Let's pick up the story, Mark 2, 13. And he, that is Jesus, went out again by the seashore, so he's by the Sea of Galilee, And all the multitudes were coming to him and he was teaching them. Now, we have already seen him go out of Galilee and return. And he he went out again by the seashore and there's huge waves of people who are thronging to him again. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax office and he said to him, 
follow me, and he rose, picture of rising to a new life, and he followed him. Now, where Levi or Matthew spent his time is at a tax gatherer's booth or a tax collecting booth. And what happened in uh, Israel is that you could buy a tax franchise from Rome. At this time, uh, Israel was under Roman occupation and they let you bid for a tax franchise. And if you won the bidding, you were able to set up in a geographic location and collect taxes. All that Rome really asked of you was to pay an annual fee to them. What you did from there, they didn't care. They just wanted their money. So the people that were set up at this time were under the rule of Herod Antipas. They would spend time uh, counting money. They would keep a ledger of who owed what. They were known to squeeze money out of people, out of the poor. And basically, they became thieves because anything that they could get above and beyond what Rome wanted, they got to keep for themselves. So tax collectors, scholars agree, became the most hated people in all of Israel. They were known as turncoats to their nation. They had sold their soul for the sake of business. And Matthew sat at the place like this as a regular part of his life, and he had set up shop by the Sea of uh, Galilee in Capernaum. Now, as you read on this, there's different ways that they collected taxes, and they had poll taxes, and they would tax different things, but... In cutting to the chase for this story, apparently if you were by the sea, they could even tax fish. So if you were a fisherman and you fished on the Sea of Galilee near Capernaum, Levi or Matthew was your arch enemy. Because every time you had a big catch, guess what Matthew would do? Hey, come on over, and he would take from your catch. Now taxes and paying them are one of the most uh, unfortunate parts of life. But, but it is reality, and tax season frightens some people, and the three letters IRS frightens people, and you can think of the angst in our own culture for the IRS, but think of this. This man was known that he had basically sold his soul for the sake of money. You see, Matthew or Levi was also crippled. He was also leprous, but in a different way from his own choices. He had chosen to be the tax man, and with that, he had lost all of his friends, I'm sure that his wife was an outcast. I'm sure his kids got made fun of because he was the man that everybody loved to hate. That is Levi. That is Matthew. He was broken inside, and I believe that he was probably crying out inside. And as Jesus went and did ministry along the Sea of Galilee, he was watching people respond to Jesus. He was watching people perhaps run by after just being healed or freed from demon possession. And maybe deep inside, Levi was saying, Lord, can you heal me too? My need is not as obvious, but I've got all this stuff. I've got a flourishing business, but an empty soul. Do you know people like that? They're successful on the outside. They have, they have things, they have possessions, but inside they are dying. They have realized, maybe more than other people, that those possessions never can really give you true life. And so Matthew sat there day after day. Yeah, he was making money hand over fist, Yeah, he was well taken care of financially, but he was empty on the inside. And there was a divine appointment that would occur by the Sea of Galilee. Jesus passed him by. He saw Levi. That's the idea of seeing deeply, or he saw into his soul. And he said to him, follow me. Now, when we read stories like this, we sometimes get the sense that maybe it was the first meeting that these guys had ever had, and it was a, a moment where Jesus just stops at this booth, and he peers into somebody's soul and says, follow me, and they bounce off their chair like they're sitting on a spring, and they follow him, but I'm not sure that that's the case. 
I think there was already something stirring in Matthew. I think maybe he was already asking deep questions. I think the presence of Jesus Christ was already stirring his own soul and the lostness in his soul. And that's hope for those of us who have witnessed to people more than one time. You know, we, we share the gospel with someone and they don't respond automatically and we think, oh, maybe they're never gonna come to the Lord. But how many of you came the first time that you heard the gospel? Ah, uh, maybe not. Maybe you heard it, maybe seeds were planted, and then eventually you decided to surrender. Hey folks, this is Pastor Michael Lance, and this is Living Truth Radio, and we'll be back to the teaching in a moment. I want to tell you about a special offer that we have available at Living Truth Radio. It's a book that I've written called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It's all about spiritual warfare. It's all about how to overcome temptation, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And it's a special offer. Go to our website, livingtruthradio.org. Click on the donate button. And for any donation, we will send you a copy of that book. Just let us know in the contact form that you'd like a copy of that book. And now, back to the teaching. In, uh, at my home, I have uh, the visual Bible. It's the, the Gospel of Matthew, word for word, acted out. And it came out years ago when things were actually on VHS. How many of you remember those days? You just took the VHS, you put it in your toaster, and it would play. It was a, anyway. And so the character Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, the music's playing, and here's how it's de- depicted. Matthew is pictured as an old man, and he's writing his Gospel at an older age, and he's looking back on his life. And as he writes Matthew chapter 9, he talks about Jesus stopping at the tax gatherer's booth and how he called Matthew, and he said, follow me, and Matthew followed. And the music begins to play, and you look into the eyes of the older Matthew, and you just can't even begin to fathom how important that moment was. Because as he reflects on that call, he thinks, that moment of my life changed everything. I was called out of a tax gatherer's booth, a hated man, uh, didn't know where I was going, empty and dead inside to now a man of God. And Matthew now had the opportunity to be one of the 12 apostles. He had the opportunity to write a gospel and he had an opportunity to be used for time and go into eternity in the presence of Jesus Christ. That's a pretty poignant moment. But not everybody was happy about Matthew's call. Because remember, two sets of brothers have been called. They're both fishermen. You got Peter and Andrew, James and John. And this is the man that they don't like either. So they're walking along with Jesus by the sea. And Jesus turns to the tax collector. Can you feel the moment? Follow me. And the disciples had to be saying, no, no, do not call him. Tell him to go to another church. Please, because I've given that man so much fish and he's a ripoff. You're not going to call him to be one of the 12, are you, Lord? No way. And the Lord said, way. That's my own take. And in comes Matthew. Could you imagine being one of those fishermen? No, Lord, I don't want him to be one of the 12. But that's what Jesus does. He calls all these different people from all these different backgrounds. And sometimes you see somebody in church that you've known from years past. And you go, oh. And they knew you from years past. And they go, oh. (laughs) And that's why this is a community of grace. It's a community of the forgiven, amen? Can you imagine? That had to be hard the first couple of months. Really? Maybe there's, can they kick him out? I don't know, you know. And so here's Levi. And he's been changed and healed in a different way. He had been defined by his tax booth, by his career choices. 
But now he was a man of God. I don't know where the Lord's called you from, but the Lord got a uh, name attached to him that he was the friend of tax gatherers and sinners. A story from 19th century England, there was a poor woman who attended a church women's meeting. She had been living with a man of another race by which she had a baby, and she brought the child with her. She liked the meeting, so she came back again and again. But then the vicar came to her and said, I must ask you not to come to this meeting again. Seeing her questioning look, he continued, the other women say that they will stop coming, this meet, coming to this meeting if you continue to come. Looking at him in poignant wistfulness, she asked, Sir, I know that I'm a sinner, but isn't there anywhere a sinner can go? Fortunately, the story says the Salvation Army reached out to her and she was claimed for Christ. But it is a sad commentary when the church becomes this exclusive club and we no longer become a place that's a friend to tax gatherers and sinners. Jesus was, we should be as well. If your whole world is just about Christians and you don't spend any time with non-Christians, I ask you the question, where are you fishing? How are you reaching out to the lost if you don't have any non-Christian friends? Now, I'm not talking about marrying a non-Christian. You should not do that. I'm not talking about starting a business with a non-Christian. I'm not talking even about maybe a really intimate, close friendship, although that's possible with a non-Christian. I am talking about reaching out to people who need to know that Jesus is alive in you. We need you to be a Christian where you are. Amen? Where you work, where you play, where you live. That's where we need the church to shine. It's not about some exclusive club. It is hope for the hopeless. Lepers, paralytics, and tax people are welcome to Jesus. The people who didn't come to the doctor were the ones who didn't realize they were sick. They refused to, to come because of their pride. They were the scribes and they were the Pharisees. And Jesus said of them, you are famous for cleaning the outside of the cup and the dish but it is filthy on the inside. You're leprous on the inside, though you look good on the outside. Yes, you fast twice a week. Yes, you tithe. Yes, you pray on the street corner. But Jesus said, you're like whitewashed tombs. You're painted on the outside, and inside you're full of dead men's bones and all kinds of uncleanness. Wow. And these are the people that the normal, average people look to and said, well, I wish I could be like them. And Jesus is saying, do what they say. But don't do what they do. For they put burdens on you that they don't even carry themselves. And so here's Matthew, an unexpected disciple. And in he comes. Now you'll notice in verse 14, his name is Levi. And Levi is an interesting name because many of you know that this goes back to the Levitical line. And there were really only select people that could serve in the temple service. And they came from the tribe of Aaron and the tribe of Levi. If you go into a Hebrew lexicon, the, the name Levi means joined, and it means to be joined to the temple service seems to be the idea, to handle the holy things. Can you imagine being this man Levi and knowing that your family line meant that you should be working in the temple and you should be a man handling the things of God and now your life is defined by handling that which is filthy, dirty, and corrupt. I'm sure he lived with that guilt every day. I meet people sometimes in various places and I find out their name and their name's a biblical name. I'll meet a John or I'll meet uh, somebody, with Matthew or even Michael. Michael's a wonderful biblical name, don't you think? 
and I'll say to them, hey, you're, I'll meet a Daniel, hey, your name is from the Bible, and it's almost like a light comes back in their head. Oh, that's right, yeah. And I'll say to them, do you know that story? Do you know about that guy in the Bible? Well, that's vaguely. And I'll say, that's what you're named after. You're named after a guy who took a stand in a foreign land, and I'll begin to go into it. It's a great witnessing opportunity. You see, Levi had forgotten who he was. Have you? He'd forgotten that heritage, and he got involved in something that promised him big money and, and maybe, you know, a big house, but he was lost on the inside. You know, the promises that society makes to us, you guys, please listen to this well, about when you get all this stuff, then you'll be happy is a big, fat lie. And Levi was living that lie. He was paralyzed on the inside, and he got up and followed the parallel account, and Luke 5.28 says he left everything behind, rose up, and began to follow Jesus. Luke 5.28. He left everything behind. Now, it's one thing if you're a fisherman and you leave your nets or you leave your father in the boat with other helpers or servants. It's another thing when you leave a tax business behind because to my knowledge, you ain't ever going back. You have made a decision that's not just a marginal decision. You have made a decision to count the cost and you have said, these worldly things don't matter to me as much as my soul. I'm leaving it behind. And he left. He left that table. He left the piles of money. He left everything behind and he followed Jesus. I don't know if you've counted the cost, but there is a cost to count. We should calculate the cost. Jesus is saying, I want everything in your life and I'll redeem it. Now, I know... um, Many of you in this room, and I know whatever we have given up for the Lord, what has he done in your life? He's multiplied things in my life. Things that I thought were so important, I just had to hold on to. He's actually just replaced them with things a thousand times better. Things like hope, peace, a clean conscience, a good marriage, uh, uh, hopefully a testimony that is respectable. See, these are the things that really matter in life. These are the things that are going to last in life. This this is what the kingdom of God is about. And so Matthew's a happy camper. He's been healed on the inside, touched by the Lord. And it came about, verse 15, Mark 2, that he, Jesus, was reclining at the table in his or Levi's house. And many tax gatherers and sinners, sinners is a technical term, for a class of people who were regarded by the Pharisees as inferior because they showed no interest in scribal tradition and they were basically outcasts. So Levi throws a party and those who were dining with Jesus and his disciples, there were many of them and they were following Jesus. Luke 5.29 says, Levi gave a big reception. He probably had a big house. From his house, there was a crowd of tax gatherers and other people who were reclining at the table with them. So all of a sudden, a reception is given in the honor of Jesus. Levi is a happy Christian, and he invites all these people, and get this, this is an IRS party. Can you imagine that? You go to a party, and it's filled with a bunch of tax collectors, and in addition to that, there's prostitutes and outcasts of society. I would not want to give my name at the door if it was an IRS party, just in case they followed up on me later right? This is a room full of hated people, and Jesus is in the middle of them, dining with them. To dine with someone in the tradition of the Pharisees and scribes, table fellowship was considered intimate and even holy, and they avoided anything that would potentially make them unclean. They would not sit with outcasts, with lepers, Gentiles, 
Certainly not with tax gatherers. If you were a tax collector, they wouldn't take your offering in the synagogue. You got excommunicated. You couldn't vote. You couldn't become a judge. Nothing. You were an outcast. This is the party that now is being held. And Jesus is in the midst of all these people. And the religious leaders uh, wouldn't go in, to my knowledge, but maybe they were watching from the outside. Maybe their ears were at the door to hear what was going on in this party. And when the scribes and the Pharisees 16 saw that he was eating with the sinners and tax gatherers, they began to say to his disciples, why is he eating and drinking with tax gatherers and sinners? Can you imagine being one of the disciples? And the religious leaders come and ask you this question. We have no record of their response, but it'd be something like this. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Ask him. Wouldn't it be convenient to have Jesus around and just point people to him? I don't know. Hold on a minute. We'll get him. You can ask him. Why? I don't know. Ask him. Well, here's the deal. The scribes and Pharisees were, Luke 5.30, were grumbling at his disciples. Why do you, why does your master eat and drink with people like that? Don't you know? That will make you ceremonially unclean. That will make you, they thought, unspiritual. Welcome, listening family. This is Oscar Santa Cruz, producer of Living Truth Radio, and I'm here in the studio with Pastor Michael Lance, and you just heard part one of Who Needs a Doctor? Now, Pastor Michael, one of the things I would like to uh, focus on is a subject on religion versus relationship with God. Um, also, legalism and traditions, could they be spiritual in any way to help out a person in their salvation? Well, you know, the book of James Oscar talks about pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God. So there is a, there is the word religion used in the New Testament. And uh, I know sometimes as evangelical Christians, we, we draw a distinction between religion and relationship. And, and I know what we mean when we say that, but there is a pure undefiled religion. And it, it is mentioned in the book of James and it does t talk about to help orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. That section actually follows uh, James saying, don't merely be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. So if, you know, sometimes you meet people and they say, boy, you're a religious person. Mm -hmm. And as an evangelical, sometimes I recoil from that because I think what they're thinking is, you know, I've got this, you know, ritual routine that I've got to keep in right. order to keep in good standing with God. So there, there's a way to define that word that's positive, but if you are a person that, let's use the word ritual, that you do ritual things, and even that isn't necessarily bad, but they're void of relationship. So if I do what I do out of a relationship, so let's say I go to church every Sunday, well, what's my motivation? Is it because it's become a ritual for me? You know, it's just something I do. Or is my attendance at a church the result of my passionate love for Jesus Christ because he first loved me? Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at Living Truth Corona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.